At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. I am actually startled. The State of the Union address has long since become an anachronism. Over the last 25 years, it has become a series of insiders talking to other insiders and occasionally pointing to ordinary citizens in the gallery as if they were creatures on display at a zoo. It has become a ritual with the meaning sucked out of it. And with increasing regularity, it has become a stage for Republican simpletons to disrespect the office and the officer with stunts and shouts and heckling. And winter after winter, it has doubled the argument for resuming what President Thomas Jefferson first thought to do, to just write the damn speech and have somebody else drop it off at the House chamber door. And under those cynical circumstances and with those diminishing caveats, Joe Biden absolutely killed it last night. At his finest, at his most robust, at his most combative, in his element, in the proverbial arena, throwing punches, blocking hecklers, and unashamedly exploiting the undeniable advantage of having the only microphone in the room, Biden absolutely killed it. And I am an utter cynic on political speeches. I do not know how many of these I have heard and how many of the claims and promises and attitudes and platitudes and catchphrases and applause lines I have heard at 9.30 and forgotten by 11. But this speech I will remember. I will remember roads and infrastructure and education and insulin caps and unfair taxes and hidden service fees and cable costs and raising teachers pay and quadrupling the stock buyback tax and non-compete clauses for fast food cashiers and the talk 
and something good must come from this and do something and ban assault weapons now. And I will remember Biden throwing away the ritualistic talk down to them speechifying in order to cut through and talk to the audience, not in front of him, but the one at home and to be conversational and to throw around that silly word folks and make it sound sincere and serious. And then, best of all, baiting the Republicans into loudly and embarrassingly denying what they have been murmuring about all week, all year, all decade, all century, baiting the Republicans into insisting loudly that no, they don't want to gut Social Security and Medicare, and then inspiring a chant of USA, USA, from Democrats for Democrats. Masterful. And thank you, George Santos, for standing there beforehand trying to bull your way through, as Mitt Romney repeatedly said, embarrassing or embarrassed to you. And thank you, Lauren Boebert, for tweeting mid-speech that when schools were closed in 2020, it was Biden who closed them somehow while Trump was president. And thank you, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for wearing your bath mat around your shoulders like it was suddenly Halloween and you'd forgotten and you tried to build your own Cruella DeVille costume. And thank you, Kirsten Cinema, for dressing up like Tweety Bird after its car airbags had deployed, or maybe the banana phone. And thank you to Speaker McCarthy for sitting there like a dyspeptic escaped owl. And thank you, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for sounding like a broken PA system speaker in a 1953 bus station with a mouth provided by Senor Wences and proving that the rule of Nepo babies has now extended to the State of the Union minority response. To be fair, President Biden also had the help of somebody outside the room. I want to thank Donald Trump for deflating all Republican arguments hours before that speech, for completely overshadowing every criticism of the State of the Union address, of silencing in advance every Republican who would try to insult Joe Biden, of shadow banning every tweet by Jim Jordan about how much the country misses Trump, of popping every play of the video of Marjorie Taylor Greene holding a kid's balloon. And what did I tell you yesterday? What did I tell you about the need for props as the only mean to communicate with the stupid demographic? So, yes, thank you, Donald Trump, for choosing yesterday to accuse Governor Ron DeSantis of, quote, grooming high school girls with alcohol as a teacher by recirculating a blurry photo on social media with his own caption. That's not Ron, is it? He would never do such a thing. And when that did not get enough play, thank you, Trump, for recirculating it a second time, adding, no way. And before you knew it, thank you, DeSantis's supporters, who then accused Trump of traveling, quote, aboard Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express. Thank you all for reminding us in real time that the essence of Trump and the essence of the Republican Party and the essence of American fascism in the 21st century is ask not what your country can do for you, ask what your country can do for Trump.
The State of the Union address has in this last quarter century devolved into not just a ritual, but into a string of interlocking rituals. The president says a dozen or two dozen or three dozen meaningless, vague things. The opposition party grimaces or eye rolls or yells. A thousand pundits miss the point in a thousand different ways. Now nearly all of them on CNN. It is partisan when it should be nonpartisan. It is nonpartisan when it should be partisan. And most importantly, words are chosen and they are spoken in a specific way, a sublime meaninglessness that after 25 years of having to listen to these addresses, it finally struck me last night what I have been reminded of since 1998 or maybe earlier. Half a century ago, there was an episode of the old TV series Star Trek called The Omega Glory. And they land on some planet, like every other episode. And there are these rival groups, like every other episode. And they're called the Yangs and the Calms. And they're at each other's throats. And their codes for living are these meaningless, ritualistic, holy words, speeches of nonsense, syllables, the meaning of which none of them know. They just know to say the words. And finally, Captain Kirk, and yes, I understand I'm invoking William Shatner to explain American presidential politics and government nonsense. Finally, Captain Kirk recognizes these ritualistic holy words for what they once were centuries earlier before the meaning had been lost and only some of the sounds remained and became distorted and the Yanks became the Yangs and the Commies became the Coms. They were speaking the Pledge of Allegiance and the U.S. Constitution, and your average State of the Union address sounded like the Yangs and the Comms. That is what American politics in general and the State of the Union specifically have been moving towards since the 90s, and that they have not yet gotten there, and we can hang on to some small sliver of hope that they never actually will get there is because of that once in a decade or once in forever speech like the one last night in which President Joe Biden sang and shouted and whispered and bellowed and demanded and pleaded and most of all, believed. Stunning startling a masterpiece still ahead another state of the union quite a long time ago the day they handed the keys to covering that epic 1998 address just as the clinton lewinsky scandal started to some guy who had no idea he was going to have to do it until the day before, and who had been giving the baseball scores just eight months earlier. Things I promise not to tell coming up. There is a Republican dark horse presidential candidate, but he has a major problem. He does not know if he is running for the nomination in the year 2024, or 2022, or 2020. I've seen this, and I still don't believe it. Worst persons ahead. And Flacco, the missing Central Park Zoo eagle owl, goes back to the Central Park Zoo and then leaves again. Owl Watch 23 continues. That's next. This is Countdown.
365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Central Park, New York City, breaking Owl Watch 23 news. Flacco, the eagle owl, is home. He is inside the Central Park Zoo. Wait, wait, there's more Flacco breaking news. No, he's not. At large since last Thursday, when somebody broke into his enclosure, Flacco began Tuesday right outside the Central Park Zoo grounds. Then he flew eastwards to a pine tree, actually inside the grounds, and then to a birch and appeared to be headed home to his enclosure. But then at sunset, he hooted a couple of times and flew to the Wallman ice skating rink. Evidently astonished by the price-gouging costs of renting skates there, Flacco flew north of the rink, and at last word, he might be resuming his tour of the neighborhood.
This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. You know, I might not be taking my news responsibilities as seriously as I should. In sports, Aaron Rodgers is just out there, huh? Last year, the once popular quarterback of the Green Bay Packers revealed he kind of lied when he intimated in public that he had been vaccinated against COVID, but then said he'd actually only been immunized, which meant he'd eaten ants or bugs or, I don't know, a horse or something. Then he revealed that he'd taken a tea containing hallucinogens. Now, Rogers says he is going to go on a four-day, four-night darkness retreat right after the Super Bowl, which sounds great. We could all use that. But listen to this quote. We rarely even turn our phones off or put the blinds down to sleep in darkness, Rogers said. Well, who in the hell doesn't took the blinds down? I mean, seriously. Did you not think of that, that they come down? That's why. So it could be dark in there. I mean, this guy went from being the spokesman for a multi-million dollar insurance ad campaign to a weirdo. I think he's already been in a darkness retreat for a while now. And this one is almost as weird as LeBron James approached the all-time NBA scoring record. My old ESPN colleague, Michelle Beadle, revealed on a basketball podcast that LeBron, quote, tried to actually have me fired From ESPN's basketball coverage and replaced by another one of my old ESPN and Turner colleagues, Rachel Nichols. Beatles said he even direct messaged her once on Twitter asking, why are you so mean to me on television? And Michelle is as mystified as the rest of us as to why he would bother. And I'm jealous. The only people ever tried to get me fired on television were Dick Cheney and George W. Bush. And Chris Matthews and Lawrence O'Donnell and, and Joe Morgan and the other. And Rupert Murdoch. Now, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The Bronze, the House Weaponization Subcommittee. Washington Post ABC News poll indicating the country has a little bit of a problem with the new McCarthyism. Is the new committee just an attempt to score political points? Respondents to the Post ABC poll? No. 36%. It's not just there to score political points. Yes, it is. 56%. Second question, are government agencies actually biased against conservatives? Yes, 28%. No, 64%. Wrap it up, boys. You lost before the ball game even started. The runner-up, former Congressman Lee Zeldin. You knew that eventually with the lies of George Santos now being measured by the number of freight trains it would take to carry them all, that there would be collateral damage, and it looks like it may be Zeldin. As GOP bosses acknowledge whatever is left of the House Ethics Committee is going to investigate Santos for what looks like that rare 100% corrupt campaign fundraising process, one little detail jumps out. Dozens and dozens of Santos campaign expenses, all identified as costing $199.99, because you only have to keep receipts and present them for campaign expenses of $200 or more. Guess whose campaign expenses turn out to also be filled with deductions that all cost $199.99 each? Ex-Congressman Lee Zeldin, 21 of them on one day. 
Punchline, the Zeldin and Santos campaigns had the same treasurer by Felicia. But the winners, Steve Laffey, Emily Gooden, and she is identified as the senior U.S. political reporter for the British sleazy tabloid The Daily Mail and Gooden's publication, The Daily Mail. The Daily Mail made a big deal yesterday about some sort of exclusive interview with this small-town ex-mayor, Laffey, who is trying to position himself as the next, quote, Republican breakout presidential candidate. His name is Steve Laffey, and Ms. Gooden writes, quote, his plan to charge onto the New Hampshire debate stage and demand Republicans talk about ways to reform Social Security. Fine, I guess, except Ms. Gooden and the Daily Mail and Mr. Laffey apparently cannot decide on which year he is running for president in. The first version of this story posted online read in order, quote, is this the breakout Republican candidate of 2022? Then, quote, in 2024, Steve Laffey hopes person that will be him. Then, quote, he could be the candidate to catch fire during the 2020 primary. Emily Gooden, The Daily Mail, and Steve, maybe he's a time traveler, Laffey, today's worst persons in the world! At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. 
With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Still ahead on Countdown, it is 25 years now since they basically pulled somebody off the street and had him host national coverage of the State of the Union address on cable news. And that somebody was me. Things I promised not to tell coming up. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need you can help. Every dog has its day. Back to New York and Nigel. The last weeks of a dog killed in a pound are almost always the story of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Nigel arrived last week of January, friendly, soft-bodied, sociable, and then when playing, he nipped at one of the handlers. Not at their skin, he nipped at the waistband of their pants. So thereafter, they refused to let him out of his cage. So now he's claustrophobic and panicking. So now they'll kill him because he's claustrophobic and panicking, and they'll do it as early as tomorrow. He needs our pledges to defray the cost of a rescue to save his life. You can find Nigel on my Twitter feeds. I thank you, and Nigel thanks you. to the number one story on the countdown and things I promised not to tell and the State of the Union 1998. When I left ESPN and signed with MSNBC the first time in 1997, it was not to become a political commentator nor even anchor. I went there to do what the president of NBC News America needed most, a live hour-long news magazine show from Secaucus, New Jersey, so unfocused that on consecutive nights we led with the threat of a terrorist group called Al-Qaeda, and then the next night we led with the publication of the Farmer's Almanac. I mean, this was the news at 8 p.m. The lead story, they published the Farmer's Almanac again. Here's our live guest, the publisher. Is it going to rain next year? I had regrets. Anyway, the good part of the job was sports. I hosted baseball in the World Series, and I even did some Super Bowl stuff for NBC. And in mid-January of 1998, I flew to the West Coast to work on that and do this magazine show, The Big Show, on MSNBC from entertainment venues in L.A., most of them associated with NBC. On the afternoon of Tuesday, January 20th, 1998, we were on the set of Third Rock from the Sun, preparing to interview its star, John Lithgow, when my producer, Phil Griffin, sidled over. You, my little friend, are about to become a political host. The president got caught with some chippy in the White House. Chippy? Oh, not sex sex. Looks like just, uh, you know. And then he lied about it in the deposition Saturday. I asked him how in the hell anybody knew about what the deposition said when it was just four days after he gave the deposition, and those things are supposed to be, you know, secret. Beats me. Drudge put it out yesterday. 
Then I asked him if credible news organizations like NBC were actually quoting an Internet guy best known for his hat about what was a potentially impeachable offense. A lot of people were close on this story, Griffin said. We were close. Lisa Myers almost had it Sunday night. Newsweek finally put out a more detailed version about 90 minutes ago. It was their scoop. Drudge just stole it from them. I think it was Isakoff who wrote it. You'll have to interview Tim Russert to lead the show. The president may resign. We'll do it from right here. Back that up. What was that you said? We'll do it from right here. No, no, the part about the president resigning. Oh, yeah, the president might resign. Thus, half an hour later, I was hooked up by satellite with Tim Russert from the Washington Bureau, listening to him outline the possibilities that the president might resign before sunrise. I nodded with as much gravitas as I could fake, despite the elements of farce that were apparently obvious only to me in the story and in where I was seated. In the background of my close-up stood the refrigerator from the kitchen set of Lithgow's show, Third Rock from the Sun, and on the refrigerator, complete with its decorative magnets, speaking their silent and suddenly completely hip gag, the magnets were a banana surrounded on either side by a strawberry. Phil... I said to Phil as we tried to plan a smooth transition from that taped Russert interview about the possible impeachment or resignation of the president to a taped interview with John Lithgow, and then back to the live speculations of a couple of political writers for the rest of the hour. We're not going to have to do this every day, are we? Griffin laughed. Of course not. What do you think this is, the end of the world? He was right. We did not do it every day. We did it for 218 consecutive shows. Starting that night... With the banana and the strawberry magnets over my shoulder, our ratings kept doubling. Following Tuesday, my 38th birthday, I was back in New York hosting a roundtable of political heavyweights in the hour leading up to Bill Clinton's State of the Union address that night. Andy Lack of NBC News and Phil Griffin had decided that I should host a second live report once the NBC network guys, Russert, Tom Brokaw, a couple of others, had wrapped up their analysis, which we were also carrying on MSNBC. So I would come on at 11 o'clock after Brokaw and Russert. Two hours, my little friend. This is our nightline. I was doing my best to keep a straight face when, during a commercial break at maybe 11.45, maybe midnight, halfway through my wrap-up show, Griffin materialized next to my anchor desk. He had this stunned but not unhappy look, like when he used to smoke a lot of dope when we worked together in the 80s. We have the preliminary ratings, my little friend. I hope you're sitting down. I pointed at myself, seated in the chair. The pregame show, that did a 1.1. Our average rating at MSNBC before this presidential stuff came up had been an 0.3. This was now four times the previous ratings. In the past week, it had surged to an 0.6, and Griffin had insisted to me that Andy Lack was so happy he had wet his pants. But this is the kicker here, buddy. We have the immediate since the president finally stopped talking. Speech did an 0.8. Broke on Russert, uh, the wrap-up did an 0.6. Since 11 o'clock, you've been doing a... 1.7. You have had three times the audience of Tom Brokaw, three times the audience of the old man himself. This isn't just people crossing over from NBC to watch more. This is people watching the speech, turning off the old man, then turning back at 11 to watch you. I tried to assimilate what he was telling me. For the first time in my life, my ego refused to cooperate. 
The stage manager barked his cue of 30 seconds until the end of the commercial break. Phil Griffin shook my hand. Oh, and by the way, um, that thing you said at the start of the hour about it, it was as if the intern had opened the door to the chamber and said, Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States, um, that's already included in the Associated Press story. 1.7, my little friend. Don't F it up. Actually, you can't F it up. We're in for the long haul now. Revel in it. Me quoted about the Clinton Lewinsky story in the main coverage of the State of the Union address on the Associated Press Wire eight months after I stopped giving the scores of the Greater Stuttgart Invitational Tennis Tournament on ESPN. I had this sudden, horrible feeling that the usually slow-to-decide American viewing public had instantly concluded that for some reason, elusive even to me, they really like to hear me talk about the whereabouts of the president's penis. If I could have figured out how to F up the rest of the hour, I would have done it right then. I didn't. The next day, it got worse. The ratings were so great last night, buddy. They want us to go live every night at 8 and 11. Only about the president. The 11's going to be called crisis in Washington. Finally, we get what we want. Phil Griffin was dancing around. It'll be our nightline. Since joining MSNBC, I had not taken any time off, and I actually had a vacation booked in Hawaii the next week with a young lady. Uh, yeah, about that, Phil finally announced. Well, that's what we have to talk about. Keith, they want you to commit to this for at least six weeks, so it's this or Hawaii. I explained Hawaii to Phil. Lack said he'd probably pay for you to go do that whenever this is over. I said, in my opinion, that probably would not be good enough. And Griffin said neither did he, but that it was just for openers. And Lack told him that I could have three wishes and I could anchor NBC Nightly News, at least on the weekends and a couple of times during the week. Just personally, I'd recommend you do it. I got the impression that the show's going to happen whether we agree to it or not, Griffin said. He mentioned something about Brian Williams or maybe John Gibson being poor second choices, but viable ones. He said viable ones. I told Phil I had some calls to make. Griffin suggested Lack needed a decision within the hour that he wanted White House in crisis on the air that night. Wait, that didn't sound like what he'd called it before. Phil, is it White House in crisis or crisis in Washington? Phil Griffin seemed introspective for a moment, then got in touch with the news executive within. What's the difference? It's going to be our nightline. I almost suggested to him that that should be the title. MSNBC presents It's Going to Be Our Nightline. On and on this went for weeks. For months, I mocked the story, the ratings went up. I tried to quit the show, the ratings went up. I gave a speech insulting the network for covering the story 24-7, the ratings went up. Fox Sports approached me and offered me five times what NBC was paying me to go out to L.A. to do their sportscasts. L.A., which was kind of near Hawaii, nowhere near the Clinton Lewinsky story, and the ratings went up. And I was debating all this and the fact that I had a contract and I had agreed to do it. And then one night in early spring, I got home after another night of this crap. I put my feet up. I was half watching something on NBC while really just staring off into the distance, wondering what I had done to deserve this, mulling my own future when the snare drum and the violent string section of an NBC news promo interrupted me. 
Wednesday on a very special edition of Nightline, Jane Pauley and the former Miss America. There she was for a second, head tilted, her look grave, journalistic, even scholarly. Jane Pauley, the 10-year host of NBC's landmark Today Show, the one who would then switch to primetime because the journalism had slowly ebbed out of morning television and she couldn't do it anymore. She was sitting there in a two-shot with a Miss America from too many Miss Americas ago, the former brunette, former redhead, now former blonde, whose jet black hair made her look a little frightening. Why the hell was Jane Pauley interviewing her on the signature, albeit superficial, NBC thrice-weekly magazine show Nightline, no less? Well, in a split second, the promo gave me my answer. Jane, did you have sex with the President of the United States? Ex-Miss America. Yes, yes, I did. Announcer. That's Wednesday on a very special edition of Nightline, only on NBC, America's news source. With genuine terror, I screamed, I shouted aloud to no one, Check, please. And I called my agent to talk about Fox. The State of the Union is Olbermann wants to quit his job. Countdown has come to you from the studios of Olbermann Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in the Sports Capsule Building in New York. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Kenny Main, and everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 764th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 